Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Flex. This is Joe Howie here bringing you some post-game coverage following Providence's win over Villanova from yesterday afternoon. Today, I'll be breaking down the game and Ed Croswell's dominant performance. And in the back half of the show, we'll have Peter DiBiase joining to give his thoughts on the game as well. So stay tuned for that. But as always, a reminder that this podcast is presented by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, for more info. All right, cool. Now that the ad read is out of the way, let's get into it. Yesterday afternoon, the Tigers beat Villanova 85-72 to to improve to 20-7 and overall, 12-4 and in conference play. The team remains undefeated at home this season, boasting a 15-0 and record and 8-0 and during conference play. More notably, this is the first time in school history that the team has gone 8-0 and at home in conference play, which just continues to prove the point that whether it's the Amico Mutual Pavilion, the Dunkin' Donuts Center, or the Providence Civic Center, whatever you want to call it, that building is very tough to play in, especially during Big East play, and is still one of the best home court advantages in the country. Yesterday's win was also a very big program win for a couple of reasons, but most importantly, because yesterday's win completes the season sweep of the Villanova Wildcats for the first time in nearly a decade the last time the Friars did this was during the 2012-2013 season. Um, and, you know, I just have to say, from a bragging rights perspective, as the Flex as the Flex's residential Nova hater, um, this win certainly tastes very, very sweet. Villanova has been a thorn in our side, Providence's side, for the better part of 10 years. So to deliver a win, and most importantly, a sweep in the fashion in which they did yesterday, was certainly a refreshing feeling. Um, so now to the game itself, you know, I was there yesterday. Uh, it was an electric atmosphere. And, you know, you could tell from the opening tip that the, the Friars were dialed in. They got out to a controlling lead. I think they got out to a 24-12 lead at one point in the first half and basically commanded the entirety of the game. I think they lost the lead once in the second half, but then quickly regained it with a three-pointer. Um, you know, so it was really a well-rounded effort. But the the tone was set yesterday by big man Ed Croswell, there's been a lot of you know back and forth across the media regarding big men in the Big East this season. Uh, you hear a lot about Ryan Kalkbrenner, Jack Nungi, Adama Sonogo, Eric Dixon. You know nothing about Ed Croswell in the media, and yet yesterday he severely outplayed Eric Dixon, who's been acclaimed as one of the better big men. And you know I'd say if you look at this week from a bird's eye view, he outplayed Ryan Kalkbrenner on Tuesday too. And this isn't new either. You know, Croswell is a chippy player and he comes into these matchups with a, you know, a chip on his shoulder. And I'd say that, you know, when you pin Croswell up against these, you know, highly acclaimed big guys that he holds his own and even outperforms them. I think yesterday is case in point and a prime example of that. Croswell led the team with 21 points and 10 rebounds. And not to mention, too, that he er he finished the game in style, earning his 1000th career point. Um if you're you know, privy to Twitter and you've seen the video, it was actually a lighthearted moment. Um, he was, I guess, chirping the refs because he, he had fouled out at that point and he wanted to stay in because he thought he needed two more points to reach 1,000. But as he's sitting on the bench, there was a, an announcement over the PA that he had actually reached the 1,000th point. And you know, he was kind of surprised. He's laughing on the bench. If you haven't seen the video on Twitter, go find it. But you know, I was in the building yesterday and that was just – a really funny, lighthearted moment. Um, so congrats to Ed Croswell. That was a huge game for him yesterday. Obviously, he was a major piece uh, in the pie that was yesterday's win. Um, I think another funny, you know, intangible from yesterday is that 
Justin Manaya, former Friar, was in the building. And he kind of had courtside seats, but not necessarily in the first row over right in front of the student section there. And as Croswell was, you know, dunking and scoring in the second half, Justin Manaya was getting up and giving him high fives. He wasn't necessarily coming out on the court, but he was close enough where he could stand up and stand on the hardwood and, and you know, give Croswell daps up and, and whatnot. And Manaya was really hyping him up in the second half. And I think you saw uh, an exhilarated Croswell who had dunked, uh, got the N1 and then was pounding his chest repeatedly. And we've seen emotion out of Croswell before, but not to this level. So uh, tip of the cap to Justin Manaya for really hyping up his boy, Ed. Um, you know, speaking of fans as well, it'd be remiss without mentioning the crowd at yesterday's game. It was electric. It was a sold out Amica Mutual Pavilion. And, you know, for a team like Villanova that's came into that one, 13 and 13, seven and eight in conference play, to sell out that building in the way that the fan base did is just incredible. Um, because of work, uh, I haven't been able to go up to a lot of weeknight games. I missed the Creighton game this year. I was able to get up to UConn back in January. But, you know, the, the crowd at the Amica Mutual Pavilion th so far this season has just been incredible. I think the pink out crowd sounded on TV fantastic. Uh, being there yesterday, yesterday's crowd was amazing. I think probably the best moment was when um, – Taylor Swift, You Belong With Me song came on and it ended out of the timeout and the student section continued to sing it throughout the preceding uh, defensive possession for the Friars where they got a stop and then scored on the other end. So I just thought that was a, a really nice memento from yesterday. Um, some not so fun stuff though is uh, obviously, you know, the beers being thrown on the court and whatnot. And, you know, I'm not here to, to scold or point fingers, but I think, you know, the student section, guys, we got to be a little bit smarter here, especially at the end of the game like that. You're up 12, you're up 15 points. This is a Villanova team where if you give them the opportunity to have a technical foul like that, that can easily be a five-point swing. You know, they're, they're a team that makes their free throws, and when needed, they can hit a three-point basket. So you just got to be smarter. That's It's a bad look, one, for the student section and for the school. But two, you could get a technical foul called on the team. And – at that point in the game, there's 28 seconds left. You know, just leave it alone. Don't not drink the beers because I think the more tall boys that are consumed in that building, the rowdier the crowd gets. Just throw them. Don't be an asshole. Come on. We're, we're, we're better than that. Um, but anyway, moving on here. I'll round out a couple of the other key performances from yesterday, uh, starting with Bryce Hopkins, who put in his second full complete game performance this week. He played the full 40 minutes. He logged 19 points, 12 rebounds. He was 5 of 8 from the floor and 2 of 3 from deep. He just continues to be a, a, an absolute workhorse for Ed Cooley. He is, you know, all but solidified his campaign for Big East Player of the Year. If he doesn't get it, uh, I would be shocked unless it's given to Suli Boom. Uh, I mean, that's really the point that we're at right now is that Hopkins has played so well to this point in the season that if he doesn't get it, there's really only one other person that can. Um, so another really, really good performance from Bryce Hopkins. He just continues to, to improve and impress night in and night out. I think another friar that is worth mentioning from yesterday is Noah Locke. He had 16 points and he was six of nine from the field. I think, you know, what is really, you know, a, a nice sight from Noah Locke is he's taking a lot more two pointers now in the season than he was earlier on. He only took four, three pointers yesterday. He hit two of them. Um, but of the nine shots he took from the floor, four of uh, four of them were from deep. So I think that's a really good disparity for Noah Locke, who 
at times can fall into this, you know, one trick pony three pointer type of role. So I, I kind of like to see him attacking the basket. He had a nice little behind the back step back on either Brendan Housen or uh, Chris Archidiakono. I forget who it was, but it was really nice. And then he drained the mid range jump shot. Really, really good there. Devin Carter, he had 12 points and five rebounds in 26 minutes of playing time. He was a little limited in the first half. He picked up two early fouls and, you know, Cooley kind of had to juggle his playing time. But uh, I think what's the best about Devin Carter is just how vocal and how chippy he is. Um, I forget who it was. I think it was uh, Justin Moore had, was chirping him about his defense. And then Carter proceeded to chirp him back on the floor and block his shot. So uh, Devin Carter, don't talk to him while he's, while he's defending. If you're a Big East player and you're listening to this, because he, he'll give it right back to you, you know, we, we know Devin Carter's a good defender, but if you give him motive, uh, you know, you're just making, you're making your bed there. Um, as a team, the Friars shot 56% from the floor, 38% from deep and 75% from the line, um, pulled down 36 rebounds and had seven second chance points. So a, a pretty good performance there. Um, we'll flip it to the Villanova side of things real quick and just run through some of their stats. The Wildcats were led by Eric Dixon, who had 18 points and eight rebounds. Um, really, he had 16 points, but two points came in with four seconds left when Kyle Neptune didn't realize that the game was already over. Um, Justin Moore had 17 points and four assists. Caleb Daniels had 11 and seven rebounds. And rounding out players in double figures is Mark Armstrong with 10. Cam Whitmore, who had a, a really good night the last time we played them, was held to just seven points on three of eight shooting. He was 0 for 5 from deep. Um, and, you know, Cam Whitmore is a really, really good player. He, he is NBA draft uh, type of player. With that said, he takes some really, really bad shots. Um, and this might be a hot take, but I, just from what I've noticed watching him play is that he'll hit a shot or he'll have a dunk. And then on the next possession, he'll take an early shot cock three that just rims out and is not really great. Um, and listen, he's a freshman. He's new. Obviously he's highly ranked. So I kind of see where it's coming from, but uh, definitely some selfish shot selection there, but he's good. Um, but yeah, overall happy with the win. Um, I don't know if I'd want to see the team again, especially not at MSG. Uh, this was a chippy one because the Friars led, but you know Villanova hung around. They got a couple of calls going their way, but they're not a bad team, uh, despite what their record says. They're they have good players, and I think right now what we're seeing is the infancy of Kyle Neptune coaching a high major program, and you know it's really not his fault. He inherited a program that lost its its Hall of Famer head coach. Uh, they lost two of the most important players to walk through the that gym in uh, what's his name. Jermaine Samuels and Colin Gillespie, those guys are gone now. And not to mention, he inherited an injured roster. You know, Cam Whitmore was injured for the first part of the season. Justin Moore had a torn Achilles. Longino, as I mentioned in the pregame show, was out for a couple of weeks. So Cam Whitmore is doing the best that he can. Or Excuse me, not Cam Whitmore. Kyle Neptune is doing the best that he can with what he's got. But, you know, keep in mind, he's a first-year guy. And you can totally see that in the way in which he coaches. I think for me, that moment was, you know, late in the second half. There's about 28 seconds left. The Friars were up around in the neighborhood of 10, I think. And Kyle Neptune just kept fouling and fouling and fouling. I think it was Brandon Housen fouled with 12 seconds left. And a buddy of mine who was at the game who was sitting opposite me said that when that happened, we were already up 13 and Cooley kind of just 
stared laser dart eyes at Neptune and at the court. Like, come on, like just lose with class. Um, so you could see that's kind of where the difference is between Kyle Neptune and Jay Wright is that, you know, losing mentality there. Jay Wright would have just let the players dribble out the shot clock. Kyle Neptune's fouling uh, until the the puzzer sounds. So you could see the youth there, but all in all, on the Friar side of things, a really good win. And like I said, I don't want to see this team at MSG. Um, speaking of MSG and, you know, the road to the Garden over the next couple of weeks, if you're looking some, to get some tickets for the Big East tournament, then you're in luck because this season we've teamed up with SeatGeek to get you the best deals for tickets for your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use the code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. All right. Now that that's out of the way, I'd like to welcome back to the show Peter DiBiase. Peter is a broadcaster for WDOM. He does his own sports content on the side as well. Peter, how's everything doing? How's he doing? I'm doing good. Appreciate you once again having me on. It's always fun to come on the Flex, talk some fire basketball. So thank you for having me on. Absolutely, Peter. Now, you know, I know this was a big week in Friartown. Um, you're still a student there. You do some stuff for WDOM, the radio station where Matt and I got our start. I just want to ask you, you know, from a student's perspective, can you give us a glimpse into what this week was like, you know, from the radio side of things, from the generic fan side of things, what the two wins this week were like, you know, coming from your side of, from your point of view? Well, yeah. So I'm a little, I would say different than, a no, I would, I'm a normal student, obviously, but you're right. I, I'm play by play for WDM sports. So I'm media, quote unquote media. So I come in, I'm obviously there a little earlier. I don't sit in the student section, so I'm like a media member. But, yeah, Creighton game on Tuesday, that was a packed house, all pink out. And the pink out over the years, as you know, Joe, has been kind of a staple of uh, oh, yeah. Friartown. It's usually Villanova a handful of years ago. Um, obviously, Creighton this year, it's it's a staple, and it's a great staple. It's a great cause, and it's a great kind of charity event. And it's also always a great game because it's usually against um, a very good team. And this, this time it was against – a Creighton team that, in my opinion, I think that that's the best team in the Big East or the best starting five in the Big East. Um, yep. But, yeah, student section was popping. They were there early. Um, it was obviously a roller coaster game. It went to double OT, so, and the students were always in. But, yeah, Friartown was popping this week. And then I thought Saturday had a little different energy. It's a little funny because, look, Nova's 13-13. and 13. I think their roster, like you said, is better than their record. But mm-hmm. beating Villanova is not a resume win this year. Like, there's no, this is not like a loss actually hurts you a ton yesterday if, it, if they lost. So it had a different feel because Nova's not as good because Creighton was a much better team, much bigger game. But the crowd was very similar to Nova. It's a weekend. There was a lot more families on Saturday, but both student sections were very loud. Both student sections were rowdy. Both student sections were there early. Villanova let the gates in, let everyone in at two, two o'clock, two, two, two thirty. And the game didn't start till 4.30. So there were yeah. students in the arena sitting in their seats two hours, two and a half hours early. So Friartown was happy this weekend. As a media member, it was an interesting. Tuesday was great. I love Tuesday. It was awesome. It was probably my greatest broadcast game I've ever had in my four years of doing this. My, I tweeted that I, I tweeted at Thomas and Zarella and Matt that I'm on the Mount Rushmore now. Kind of jokingly because of, how great, <laughs> of game, how great of a game it was. It was a double OT against Creighton. Oh, Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday was awesome. Yesterday, 
little interesting. We were put on the other side. We usually, I know you, Joe, know right in front of the main student section on the left. Yep, right oh, by the band there. Yes, that was not happening yesterday. There was no student. There was no media row there. So we were all on the other side, crammed together with media. And we were on the other side with the student section where there's less security. They're a little more rowdy that people don't know about. You're a little closer to the student section on the far side, away from the PC bench than you usually are closer to the PC bench. So Wi-Fi, some Wi-Fi issues, some interesting issues, some adult beverages being thrown at it. My computer is still sticky. I know Matt tweeted it. That tweet went absolutely bonkers today <laughs> yeah. on Twitter. But Saturday was a little more interesting. The game was still awesome. Interesting in the media side of the view. Not my best experience I've ever had at the Amp or the Dunk. But I love Tuesday. Saturday was interesting. But at the end of the day, they got two wins. And that's, I guess, all that matters. Yeah, definitely an interesting perspective from the media side of things coming out yeah. of yesterday. Especially, I think you just look at the position in the the Amica Mutual Pavilion where they hold the media. It's, it's not ideal. No, um, not also, you know, not ideal that that those select few students were throwing beers. You know, like I mentioned yeah. earlier, it's just a bad look all around. Uh, you know, don't want to risk the technical foul there. Also, you're you know disrespecting some people down in the front row. So definitely a bad look in that regard. But Peter, I appreciate the insight here. I think you're totally right in, in when your analysis, when you said that uh, Tuesday night's game against Creighton, obviously Creighton's a highly ranked opponent, one of the best starting fives, if not the best starting five in the conference. And, you know, the building showed out. Like you said, you know, Villanova, this isn't a Villanova team where you knock them off at home and you storm the court like you did a couple years ago. It's not a Villanova team where Lawan Pipkins is – you know, he's got his turnaround jump shot, the Wu Pipkins, Gus Johnson call that, that, you know, seals your NCAA tournament, you know, ticket. This is a Villanova team that came in 13 and 13. They were under 500 in conference play. And this is a Villanova team that I'll just say it, unless they win the Big East tournament is not making the big dance. This is an NIT Villanova team. And yet the building yesterday, you, you would have thought that was a, a top five ranked Villanova program. And I think that that just goes to show you a couple of things is one, the the depth of the rivalry between these two teams. And I think this is one of the more undervalued rivalries in the in the Big East Conference. I think you look at uh, Villanova, Georgetown, St. John's, Georgetown. You look at Villanova, UConn, Villanova, Seton Hall, Providence, UConn, the Midwest rivalries, obviously. But Villanova, Providence is a rivalry that flies under the radar. But I think yesterday's fan performance really shows how important this rivalry is to the Providence side of things. I know the Villanova uh, Twitter was very upset with the loss yesterday, which I think they probably won't admit it as freely as we will. But this rivalry is important to them, too, although they're going to try and walk the walk, the, the high road of their better than us. But I appreciate that insight as well, because, you know, regardless of if it's a top 25 opponent or a bottom of the Big East opponent like Villanova, the, the fans show out and, you know, they're loyal to a, a fault here at Providence College. Um, so looking ahead here, last week, one week ago yesterday, the Friars had a little bit of a skid at MSG, dropping one to St. John's, who, like I just mentioned, is in the, in the, the very basement of the Big East. They've had a very up and down year. They have not played well during conference play. They are also <laughs> not making the tournament. They'll probably be alongside Villanova in the NIT. Friars were still ranked Monday morning, albeit at 24th in the country. Tomorrow's Monday, a new AP Top 25 is coming out. Peter, where do you think we land? Yeah, um, I think that's an interesting question. So, like, they went obviously they went two and zero this week, and I think the Villanova win yesterday is going to give people a little bit of a skewed perspective, in my opinion. 
I think a lot of people at, that are Fire fans are making that Villanova win a little bigger in the national conversation than it is. It's a great win. It's a game you had to have to win. It's you. I think if I'm not wrong, they haven't swept them since 2013. Yep, so correct. It's, it's it's awesome. It's a great legacy win. It's a great win. It's all that fun stuff. But if we're talking about outside of the Big East standings wins, this is a game that doesn't really move the needle in the national conversation. The Creighton win on yep. Tuesday is where you're going to have to focus in. Where do you think the Flyers are going to be? Look, so Creighton, they're 18 right now because and they lost to us on Tuesday. They beat St. John's on Saturday. Saturday against St. John's, not really moving the needle in the eight people. It's not going to hurt you, but it's not going to be like, oh, you jump from 18 to 13 because you beat St. John's. UConn took care of business against the Seton Hall team that's right on the bubble right now. So Seton Hall's a very, that's a good, that's a good solid win. We still have to face them one more time, but Seton Hall's not insane, but they are definitely a bubble team. So Friars are 24 right now. NC State won. I didn't look at TC or San Diego State. Maybe like 19, 18, 19, or 20 around that number. Yep. Do they jump UConn? I kind of want to ask you, do they jump UConn? Like, I, I don't know if they do. Um, how, do like, how do they go from 24 to jumping all the way UConn by just beating Creighton? Like, I think that's a uh, – do they jump Creighton? Does Creighton fall back from 18 to, like, 20 or 21? And we kind of cha- change places with them, sort of. So maybe, like, eight, maybe like 18 is probably the max they might go. Maybe 17 is pushing it. Still think maybe a 19 or 20th ranked team kind of. Yeah, uh, I'm – I'm kind of in the same boat with you there, Peter. I don't think we jump Creighton after this win because at the end of the day, Creighton already has a win over us, and it is objectively and we right. We're home, so that Creighton is, is objectively a really good team. Yeah. I, my guess is we're going to be 19th. You know, I, I think we we I think we do jump UConn. I don't think UConn moves. I think UConn stays at 20. You know, the, this week UConn did what they were supposed to do. They beat teams that they were supposed to beat. I don't think UConn moves. I think UConn is, is going to stay at 20. I think Providence jumps them. We should be in the top 20. Um, my guess is 19, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I think another interesting uh, squad to be on the lookout for in this year, this week's AP Top 25 is Northwestern. And they've yeah. been picking up a couple of uh, high major wins. I think on Super Bowl Sunday it was they upset Purdue. Um I think Northwestern sneaks into the AP top 25 this week, which I think it doesn't re- shouldn't really affect us at all. I think we're going to jump, but definitely a storyline to, to keep mind to. In terms of the Big East, you know, uh, Marquette is, looks really good. Xavier still looks really good. I'd say it, Marquette will be ranked uh, the highest of the five. Xavier yeah. will remain second place, and I think – Third, fourth, fifth between Creighton, Providence, and UConn is where things get a little bit interesting, maybe a little sticky. I personally think it's going to be Creighton, Providence, UConn, but we'll see. Um, but nevertheless, I, I think we should jump uh, somewhere in the up in the top twenty this week. No, I completely agree. Yeah, I think Creighton, UConn, and PCU kind of interchangeable yeah. at this point. And you know what? Does it really matter? Obviously, it does matter. Um, I'm more focused on obviously the biggie things. You got Creighton Marquette on Tuesday, then you got PC and UConn on Wednesday. So it eventually sorts itself out, sort of. Yep, absolutely. <clears throat> All right, moving on a little bit here. I talked about him earlier in the first half of the show, but the man of the match from yesterday. Um, side note: If anybody knows rugby, um, you know after I'm a PC rugby guy. When you win, there's a man of the match. It's basically MVP, best player of the game, 
X, Y, and Z, whatever you want to call it. The man of the match from yesterday is Ed Croswell. The big man had a really good night. He earned his 1,000th career point in style and, you know, just severely outplayed Eric Dis- Eric Dixon. Peter, what, what has Ed Croswell meant to this team, not only this week, but this season, you know? Well, I think Ed Croswell is that silent leader. I think, like you said earlier, he's shown emotion with like Mania standing up, just emotion throughout the game. But Ed Croswell is not the biggest um, kind of emotional guy on the court. He's kind of that silent leader. But I think Ed yep. Croswell replaced Nate Watson as that starting center from uh, last year's Sweet 16 team. And I think Ed Croswell has done just as good as a job or maybe better because I think Ed Croswell bring – and this is no shot at Nate Watson. Nate Watson was a great Providence basketball player. I think Ed Crosso kind of gives you that defensive dimension that Nate Watson did it. And I never expected it. Even Cooley said yesterday in his press conference, someone asked him, um, if did you ever think Ed Crosso would be this type of scorer when he first arrived on campus? And Cooley was like, no. Yeah. I thought he'd be a good defensive guy, but I thought he would take a while to develop. And it did, he did take a while to develop. But I never thought, and Cooley never thought, that Crosso would be a legit scorer. He had 21 points yesterday, he had 10 rebounds. He was seven for nine from the field. He was also seven for nine from the free throw line, which is very good for a center. Ed Crossell might be the most important player on this team. Obviously, you can make a case for Hopkins. You can make a case for Devin Carter. But without Ed Crosswell, because Clifton Morris had a very up and down season in his uh, first and only year in Friartown. And I think Ed Crosswell is so important to this team. He's so important down low. He's at, he's at anchor down low, and he did a great job against Eric Dixon. Even though Eric Dixon did have 18 points, it felt like a quiet 18 points. But yeah, Eric Dixon was you weren't gonna shut out Eric Dixon. Eric Dick Eric Dixon's was in the final four last year. Like Eric Dixon's been there, he's done that. Like, he's a proven big man in the big east. He knows how to win clearly. So Crosswell was never gonna shut him down. But I do think how defensively kind of like man the rebounds and he was just tough that well. And he got a thousand points, which Joe, I don't know about you. I never thought when Crosswell stepped on campus that he would be a thousand point scorer for Providence College. No, I, I certainly did not. Um, and I think too, you know, Peter, I think th- this is a really good point that you brought up is that when Ed Croswell first came here, you talked about what Ed Cooley said in the postgame press conference. I don't think many people saw him playing the role that he's currently playing. Um, I think especially too, he was granted a, an early eligibility during that 2020-2021 COVID yeah. season. And we saw a really raw unfinished Ed Croswell. And I think the jump from that first season to his second season last year was a huge one. And listen, you, you can't talk about him without crediting Nate Watson. He banged around against Nate, Nate Watson for two years in a row at practice. And listen, Watson was a, a very integral piece to Providence's success, not only last year, but over the five years that he was on the team. But if you, if you look at Ed Croswell, you know, he is at, he is who he is because of playing against Nate Watson. Croswell's undersized, but he is tough as nails and really holds his own down low. I, I think in terms of scoring, um, definitely a, a pleasant surprise. And you talked about Clifton Moore there. I can't help but think that Clifton Moore was brought to this team as a safety net in case, you know, we couldn't get the scoring yeah. or the defense out of Croswell. And I think the opposite has happened where Croswell has outperformed his expectations. And now we're seeing Clifton Moore's playing time kind of go down a little bit. And, that's certainly not a knock on Clifton Moore. I think he's a really good player, and I think he has a nice ability to stretch the floor a little bit. I think he, he would really be more of a, a stretch four man than a five. But I think because of the surgence of Croswell this season and the ability to score at will under the rim that he's had, 
ha- has affected Clifton Moore's playing time. Yeah, hundred percent. I think Clifton Moore has been like I agree. He's kind of that safety net. He only played seven minutes uh, against Nova, but he played a little more against Creighton. And Clifton Moore has been a little more inconsistent scoring. But look, if, and I do like when they kind of split up the minutes. I know Crosswell played. 32 minutes, but it's never bad when you get like Clifton Moore 15. It gives Crossell that uh, kind of breather. And it kind of happened a couple weeks ago. There was a handful of games in a row where they're almost equaling minutes. And I think not Crossell went through a little bit of a slump, but I just feel like it wasn't the same. Crossell last game and against Creighton and Villanova, he's kind of got back to his old ways and kind of picked up the pace. And you're going to need him. You're going against, especially in the Big East tournament. And obviously you get to the NCAA tournament when you get there and whoever you face, but Big East tournament. You face Nova again. You got Dixon, Sonogo of UConn on Wednesday. Um, you're going to face a lot of Cockbriner for um, Creighton. Fremantle, if he comes back for X. Like, there's a lot of big men in the Big East that you're going to have to go with. And if you lose that battle, there's a big chance and a huge chance you probably lose that game. Yeah. No, I, I think you're totally right. Um, I mentioned earlier, coming into the season, there was a lot of hype around the Cockbrenners, the Dixons, the Sonogos of the world, the Fremantles of the world, um, and really not a lot of hype around Croswell. And I think yeah. that's why he's playing the way that he's playing is because, you know, th- these players aren't aloof to what's said in the media, nor is Ed Cooley. And Ed Cooley says this all the time. He ta- he's, he's sang Devin Carter's praises to the media yesterday. He sang Ed Croswell's praises to the media. But these guys pay attention. And I think Ed Cooley likes to defend his players. And he says, you know, you're not writing about my guys, so they're going to give you something to write about. And Ed Croswell is totally the type of player from an energy and an an enthusiasm standpoint where he's going to he's going to he's going to get his name out there, whether it's dunking on uh, not Eric Dixon, but Caleb Daniels or, you know, pounding his chest into the camera. He's going to get his name out there. so a really, really good performance from uh, Ed Croswell this week. Peter, rounding out here because I know we're getting close for time. Big picture, <clears throat> the Friars have four games next over the next couple of weeks at UConn, at Georgetown, at home against Xavier, and they finish out the season at home against Seton Hall. One, I can't believe we're already at this point in the season. It feels yeah. like just yesterday we were down at Mohegan Sun. But what does this win and this week you know, not just the Villanova win, but this week in general, bouncing back from a bad St. John's loss, you go 2-0 and at home in convincing fashion. What does this mean for the Friars in terms of their regular season Big East championship hopes? Mm-hmm. And second part of the question, if the Friars were to get to that point, what do they have to do and what losses do they have to avoid? Well, what's your first question? Like going into this week, you have Creighton, obviously, and you had Villanova. You're coming off a horrible loss against St. John's. And I'm going to paint a quick bleak picture. You lose to Creighton and you stumble against Villanova, you're in the bubble. Like, you're not, ah, bubble might be a strong word to say there, but you're, I, I saw a couple um, brackets going after St. John's eight or nine seed and you're just like, yeah, oh, weren't we just a six seed about a week ago? You were, but you lost to St. John's. You lose to Creighton, doesn't hurt you as much. You lose to Nova, then like, it starts get, it starts coming at you fast and you start stumbling really fast. So, yeah. Credit to this team that they were able to bounce back after a sluggish performance against St. John's. They started really slow. They kind of got back into the game and never got over the hump. Great win against Creighton. That that was a game that they easily could have lost. Just coming with that mindset. Also in the sense that Creighton had two chances, end of regulation and end of OT to beat them. Good job by the Fires defensively, and then they outlasted them in double OT. And then they took care of against a Villanova team that is not as good as them this year. They're Villanova. They're still super talented. They're a team that 
could beat you in the Big East tournament. So do I not? Do I want to play them in the Big East tournament at MSG? No, nope. eh, I don't know. I might want to avoid that the best possible way. But they took care of business. Going to your second kind of point, Big East regular season champions, right? So if you look at the standings right now, Marquette is 13-3. They're first in the conference with three losses. X, the Friars, and Creighton are all 12-4. and four, So they're all tied for quote-unquote second place. Obviously, there's tiebreakers and whatever, all that fun stuff. So the Friars, like on Wednesday, they have UConn. Georgetown, X, Seton Hall. That's a tough stretch. Outside of Georgetown, who did just beat Butler on Sunday, um, it's a tough stretch. You're going at UConn. X at home is not going to be an easy, uh, easy one. They already beat you. They already beat you. And then home against Seton Hall, a team that Joe at that point could be a win, and they're in the tournament, or they're like a win, and they need a Big East win again in the tournament. So Seton Hall might be playing for their lives on yep. that Saturday, March fourth, spring break. Students won't be really there. That game has a weird feeling for me. I see a path to them becoming Big East regular season champs, but then you also look at Marquette. After Marquette on uh, when they play Creighton on Tuesday, it gets super easy for them. It's a tough path for the Friars to be a one seed. You the, the loss you have to. I think you have to beat UConn on Wednesday. Yep, I agree. I think, I think you have to beat UConn because if you're Marquette, right? Marquette has a game up in the loss column. If you look at the loss column, three losses for Marquette. Friars with four. They're at Creighton on Tuesday, right? They could easily lose that game, but if they win that game, they're going to win the Big East regular season title. The Paul Butler and St. John's. So they beat Creighton on Tuesday. I'm not saying it's over for the Big East regular season title, but it's 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 on its last limb. They lose to Creighton on Tuesday. It's wide open for anybody, not just the Friars. I think it's so. There's so many teams, Joe. There's four teams still battling that the odds are just not in your favor. If even if you take kind of take care of business for the most part, it's going to be a tough one. I still see the Friars ending up as like a two or three seed. It's not over yet. Tuesday, Marquette beats Creighton. And, or excuse me, Creighton beats Marquette, and you beat UConn on Wednesday. Then maybe on Thursday we can kind of have that conversation. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you here, Peter. I think you know, looking ahead at the next four games, the two important games here that you really need to win if you have your eyes set on the Big East regular season crown, or at least a share of the Big East regular season crown, because I think that is still in the cards as well. Yeah. If if you want a, a slice of that pie, I think you have to win at UConn and sweep them, and you have to split with Xavier. Obviously, uh, I am going to, you know, if I won't even say it, but you need to go down to D.C. and you need to take, take care, care of business, business. there. Yeah. Uh, to me, the Seton Hall game, you already beat them at home. If you lose to them, I think it sucks, but it's not the end of the world. Um, but in terms of Big East regular season hopes, I think you can kiss them goodbye if you lose there. Yeah. Really, you need to win out is what it comes down to. Um, if not, I agree with you. I think somewhere in the two or three range would be appropriate in terms of Big East tournament seeding. Yeah, and look, I, the Seton Hall game has a weird feeling for me. It obviously we're a couple weeks away, no students, spring break. Seton Hall could be bound for the life, but yeah, I still think they're going to be a two or three seed. And there's nothing wrong being a two or three seed in Big East play. Like I, I, that's an awesome achievement. I know it's not the regular season title, but you know what? I would rather a Big East tournament. Tournament. And this is not everyone agrees with me. I have no idea where you stand on this show. I'd rather a Big East tournament championship than a Big East regular season title. That's just me. I think yeah. they're, a more, they're a little more memorable. They're a little more fun. You get to raise a banner or raise a trophy at MSG. I think that's a little better than the regular season champion, even though that was awesome last year. Credit to the Friars last year. That was awesome. But give me the Big East tournament champion over the regular season. So two or three seeds set yourself up for a good matchup. And look, 
you're going to get in the quarterfinals. You're going to get a good team. UConn, Seton Hall, Nova. Like, it's not going to be a cakewalk. And no, even it's if you not. get past the quarterfinals, semifinals, get ready for anybody. X, Creighton, Marquette, and any of those teams you can lose to on any given night. I agree. Um, I think, you know, my take on the regular season crown versus the tournament title, I, I always go back and forth because to me, winning the Big East regular season title, I feel like you have to do a lot more to get there. You have yeah. to you have to try and beat as many teams, if not every team in the conference, at least once and sweep the bottom. Um, I, I think that I think the Big East regular season crown embodies like you know you own the conference. You know you went you went the length of the two and a half three months of conference play, and you were the clear cut best team. I think that's what that means. And I think when you look at the tournament title, it is certainly more exciting because it's, you know, quick hitters back to back to back to back days at Madison Square Garden. You're in the, mo- the world's most famous arena. That building is filled with Big East history. Uh, I think that one is definitely more exciting to win. But at the same time, you could have a very favorable path to the to the to the championship, depending on what side of the bracket you're in and depending on the way things shake out. I think, you know, you look at last year's Butler team. They had Xavier, then they had Providence, and then if they had beaten Providence, they would have had Creighton, and then you're on championship Saturday. So I think uh, the Big East tournament, you know, sometimes there's luck of the draw, yeah. and you, you catch a team that's in the, the midst of a late-season stumble. I think the Butler-Xavier example shines true there, too. This is a That was a Butler team that was pesky and a Xavier team that was spiraling at the end of the year, and Butler got them. Uh, and then credit to Butler too. They had us. They gave you know, it the run for our money. Yeah. It, it took a last second Al Durham dunk to really seal that one. So I think when you look at the big East tournament, it is definitely more exciting to win a big East tournament championship than it is to win the regular season championship. And, but in my opinion, let's keep in mind, this is opinion. So don't come firing at me on Twitter, everyone with the crazy Twitter fingers. But in my opinion, the big East regular season title means a little bit more with respect to owning the conference because to win the title, you have to play and you have to at least beat everybody once. So uh, I, I think it's here. Nor, it's neither here nor there. I think, you know, there's a lot of differing opinions on it. A lot of Villanova fans will say we're a, a tournament team. A lot of Providence fans will say we're a Big East regular season title team, obviously out of recency bias. But again, it's up for debate. There's really no right answer here. No, 100%, 100%. But yeah, it, it, it goes both ways. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, so that should do it from us here today at the Flex. Peter, I'll give you a second. Plug uh, plug your socials, plug your personal podcast and whatnot. Plug WDOM. Go ahead. Awesome. Thank you. Once again, appreciate you having me on. It's always fun. Obviously, you, Joe, and and Matt. I got to interact, interact with Matt on Saturday. Um, we had some conversations after the game about everything that took place. The good, obviously, the par- portion of the game, and then obviously what happened with the fans. And just a PSA, it could be awesome. Awesome fans, keep doing your thing. Keep buying tall boys. Keep having fun. Keep being rowdy. Keep being the energy. Don't throw stuff on the court. I don't want to be that guy. Don't throw stuff on the court. It's dangerous to the players. It's dangerous to the media. It's dangerous to the coaches. Throw stuff at each other in the stands if you're going to do that. Um, but keep bringing that energy. Don't stop bringing that energy. Just don't throw stuff on the court. It doesn't give us the best look. But so I had to toss that <laughs> toss that in the hat. Um, yeah, my socials, DBIC Peter on Twitter. If you guys want to follow me, that would be awesome. I uh, host the Talking Sports podcast with one of my buddies. We're on Twitter there. Um, and then WDOM Sports for play-by-play, for broadcasting, for Providence College uh, Radio. We'll be we'll be doing um, the X game. That will be our final game of the, uh, the semester. 
obviously we're away for the scene hall game. I'm in Putacana, so that's going to be fun. And then we'll be back for the Big East tournament. Hopefully our credentials get approved so you can listen to us wherever the Flyers are doing in the Big East tournament they play, when they play Thursday and, the, and they keep going. So WDM Sports, and you guys can follow me on Twitter, DBSC Peter. Joe, appreciate you having me, my man. Peter, thank you for coming on. Always a pleasure. That's Peter DiBiase. I'm Joe Howie. Make sure you're following the Flex Hoops on Twitter, Instagram for all things Providence basketball coverage. And if you haven't already, head over to house-enterprise.com. Hit the merch tab. Buy yourself some Flex-branded merch. Rock it to the dunk or the amp, whatever you want to call it, for the Xavier and Seton Hall games. Rock it to Madison Square Garden. You know, we love getting the name out there, and it helps the show a ton. So if you haven't already, go order your Flex merch now. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, wherever you consume content. We're there. Thank you for tuning in. That's Peter DiBiase. I'm Joe Howie. And as always, go Friars. Go Friars.